Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You just turned 65 this week. Happy birthday. Yeah. Can you well, still throw you. at 65 yards? Uh, not even a chance. <laughs> I, I thought My arm yes. would go with it. My back would break. <laughs> and I probably would, you know... Hurt one of my ankles. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. What's up? It's a special day. It's November 3rd. November 3rd, 1955. There would be no Chris Sims. There would be no Chris Sims unbuttoned. There would be no Chris Sims unbuttoned. What the fuck happened Wednesday podcast? How would life have gone on without the birth of Philip Martin Sims? Man. Big day today. He's yeah. going to be coming on in a few minutes. What's up, everybody? This is Chris Sims on Button, presented by Under Armour. My man, Paulie Burmeister, is here today. I How you, you doing, might, big guy? I'm doing well. I thought you might continue it and say there would be no Paul Burmeister at NBC. Uh, no, no, you, you've you made your own waves. You're kind of big okay. time on your own. No. Wow. But I can say for myself, there'd be no me that, without him. That's that for sure. That is a fact. That and is a fact. He said he couldn't <laughs> throw it 65 last right. year, but, but then he bragged about how well he could throw it under Oh, he loves to do that. That. He loves to do Maybe that. Maybe he could get it out there 66 yards yeah. with the Under, underhand. underhand. No. Doubt it. I don't think he can create that kind of torque, but he is an impressive underhand thrower. I, I, I will it. vouch for him that way. And he still is good for 10 solid throws if you give him about 25 minutes to warm up. So yeah. that's where he's good. But when, dad turns, day. when dad turns 66, yeah. he lives pretty close to you. Yep. Is there a gift involved? Uh, there is a gift involved. In fact, you beyond know, an appearance on the show. Uh, well, yeah, be, yeah uh, yes, beyond his appearance on the show. I'm letting him come on our show today it's for nice his birthday. You. I'm yeah. very nice guy. Uh, yes, and you know, of course, the conversation's always driven by my wife. My wife is a great gift giver, and she knows. She's got to please the king, mm. and the king is Phil Sims. King is not you. So she's no, it's not. I'm, I'm just the prince. Uh, <laughs> but she is very like you know, hey dad, you know he's been great to us. You know, he's dad. My dad's been great. So he, she is very into like, we got to give him the right gift, right? And and so she does. She's got a good one. I'm not going to give it up now, but I think okay. it's something he'll did, thoroughly enjoy. Did she get in the car and go shopping, or just get on Amazon? And, like, uh, she she's she's no. This time it was an order. Yeah, okay. she ordered it online, but she's definitely gone to the store many many times. And she likes to spoil my dad when she can. It's nice and, for and Phil. Yeah, she's she's good that way. Yeah. Yep. Danielle's real good that way. And without further ado, is that right? Ado. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. What's up, big guy? Happy birthday, happy dad. Birthday, How are Phil? you? Hey, Paul, Christopher. Uh, great. Thank you for the happy birthday wishes. All that. Um, you know, I asked my wife, are you going to make me dinner tonight? And she said, no chance. <laughs> and uh, she quit cooking 15 years ago, and she's holding herself to no. I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> no, no, she kind of did. Let's let's keep that real. Dad, no, like my, she did. My, my, yeah, she, yeah, she did. My mom was the ultimate, like, 
three meals a day, always had dinner, was, lunch, yeah. all was. And then I don't know. It was, I guess it was like when all the kids went to college, mm-hmm. right? Is that about the time, Dad, maybe? I don't know. Somewhere around there when, when Matt kind of went to Tennessee. I just feel like my, wife, my mom was just like, she just shut that I'm down. done. Yeah. I've had enough. I've cooked enough meals. <laughs> Fuck you, make your own meal. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I didn't think, I don't think she said that, but <laughs> yeah, that switch it. was definitely turned off, and I've become quite a cook. Yes, so you have. The good thing is about it, the good thing, it's only one, is that I cook what I want. So, and we do more takeout than I'd like eat, too, but because some nights I just go, I can't do it. I open the refrigerator, go, I hate everything, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. but. Yeah, so it's 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 all good. And and listen, Paul. Yes. What week is coming up? Week nine. This is the first time I've been on the podcast. It's been. I don't know what I did. It's been a while. I don't know <laughs> I, what I, you I, did. What I said. Maybe I didn't <laughs> give him a big enough gift or whatever. Who knows for his birthday? The rumor but, is the, the rumor is you're you're a pretty busy guy on Wednesday. Last like two weeks you haven't been able to things, do it. You know, appearances. Yes. Last two weeks, you haven't been able to do it, right? So yeah, you did ask me the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Wednesdays are usually great days. I love Wednesday, Thursday because those are where. Well, even on Mondays, I watch try to watch games, whatever. But you know, I do the Paramount show on Tuesday, so I kind of prepare for that on Mondays. But I love Wednesdays and Thursdays because I get a chance to watch a lot of games, do a lot of work, and um, you know, it's it's cool. So just like this morning, I woke up. I've been in here in my office. I came in at 6 a.m. Why? I don't know. He I did. He sleep. texted me this morning at 6 a.m. Yeah. Cause I, I just, just said, I'll yeah. get Six up. Plus and hours that's been kind of cool because here it is noon, and I've already done a lot of work and still got a long way to go, of course. Yep. All right. All right. So we'll talk, talking we'll about football and news. I mean, you know, first off, we were planning on talking about Can- – I know you wanted to talk about Kansas City. I don't know where you wanted to go there, but since Kansas City's playing this other team called the Green Bay Packers this week. Yes. And well, now the we have big a news that you know, broke here just about an hour ago. We're taping this at noon on, on a Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers out. Got COVID. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, you know, go ahead. First start there. I don't know what you got to say about it. The, the thing that's troubling, Dad, and I don't know how much you know, or, you know, again, I'm not troubling. I'm not trying to overjudge, but I'm going to judge from a football level. It doesn't sound like Aaron Rodgers is vaccinated. So that is certainly has an issue. And what's going to be more of an issue around it is it means Green Bay has been breaking How league rules. Yeah. And he hasn't been wearing a mask at press conferences or on the sidelines, which is against league rules. So going to be interesting to see how that plays out, Dad. But, you know, kind of what were your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, you know, I, I think my first thought is, well, it caught me by surprise. I didn't know he was not vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, usually I kind of hear the rumors of who's not, especially the quarterbacks. And I think the thing about Green Bay, who else is going to be uh, on that COVID list uh, right. for this weekend? And I know they have Jordan Love. And who's going to – Ben Kirk, I mean, can he – I don't know. I haven't He's on the COVID yet. list too, Dad. So they got to sign somebody. He just got – But wait, co- can he come off the COVID list sometime this week? I don't know that for yeah. sure. I don't know. But in all signs point – it, 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 all of it points to they have to sign somebody. And then I guess that means maybe Blake Bortles will get back in the fold because he was there a little earlier this year. Yeah, he, was he there in training camp? I know he was there during the off season some, and I, I can't remember watching him play any in preseason. But, well, whatever. It yeah. comes down to Jordan Love. And probably the bad thing for Jordan Love, it, well, the good thing is he'll get to practice this week. Yeah. The bad thing is that Kansas City actually looked a little more organized and better against the Giants than I've maybe seen them all year. And, of course, the big reason is that big guy. My gosh. Yeah. Chris Jones. 
I mean, he, he just gave everybody a taste. Let me just work myself across the giant line and let everybody have just one, one shot at me, and he won almost every battle. He was terrific. My yeah. gosh, when he was in the game, yeah. didn't play. You know, they did a good job of managing, but, but he, he, he just jumped off the, every time I watched the face. Who did that? Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris okay. Jones. Right. So that was really cool to see him back in action and moving him around. And I know you've said it, and, Paul, you've probably heard it from Christopher many times. I love him inside more than I do outside. Yeah. Yep. But I'm not coaching the team. And also, I thought the Kansas City Chiefs really did a much better job on defense overall. And I know the Giants are not the greatest offensive team, but they were better organized. They didn't take as many chances. And they just played a different game, which I thought were, really worked well for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, the numbers bear it out, Dad, with Chris Jones. He has been playing inside more the last few weeks, so that's a real thing. And, you know, listen, I was a fan of uh, the, like, hey, let's move him out to defense end, see what he's see? got, maybe yeah. get your four best on the field. But I think ultimately, and like what Dad's referring to is, yeah, they got to a spot where it, it's, he's not affecting the game the same way he was, you know, the, in previous years. He is... No doubt, and I think Dad would agree with this, the most disruptive interior defense alignment in football the last few years, other than Aaron Donald. He is. Oh, and yeah, I at, agree. Yeah, right. And then at defense end, you know, you, you can find ways to get, out of, get, out of the, get a defense end out of the game plan to a degree. So mm-hmm. I think like what Dad's referring to the other night, I don't even know what his stats were, but he fucked a lot of plays up, yeah. as we like the to say stat. on this podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. And affected it that way. And I do agree with Dad. I think their defense really, hey, the Washington game was a little better. Tennessee was not horrible. Tennessee was not horrible. People need to. Go. I know they lost twenty-seven to three, mm-hmm. but think about turnovers, everything. They hung in there. It wasn't bad. They are trending in the right direction. Um, so we'll see what they do on that side of the ball. But well, you know, I'll just yeah, say this: Mike Shanahan told me years ago when he was coaching the Denver Broncos, we got into the subject about offensive line, and I've never forgotten it. He goes, "I want a center and two guards that are good. The tackles." And I went, well, what do you mean? The t- you don't, and he goes, we can help the tackles. You can't help center and guards. Right. They're in there. And, and I, Chris Jones, you, you know, rushing the passer straight, getting, pushing the pocket. Right. Now if the quarterback breaks, you have a better chance, whatever. When you're outside, you can have a great pass rush. The quarterback steps up and you're a non-factor. Yeah. Uh, so no that, that's interesting, too. When the game was over, because I do a giant podcast every once, so I'm going to do one tomorrow. When the game was over, I said, I have more questions about Kansas City's offense now than I do their defense. Oh, So good. I thought we their can, offense we was – get there. Yeah. Man, well, yeah. whatever. We'll, we'll get no, to we'll, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think, we should, I think we should start with the Jordan Love. Right. And, and talk about what that sure. situation looks like. And, guys, um, Phil, you can take this first. And, Chris, I'd love to hear what you think, too. But on the drive into work, I've got about a 20-minute commute. Turned off the podcast, turned off the music, and just thought about the Packers situation. Two things came to mind, Phil. Number one, I remembered how I felt when the Packers took Jordan Love you know, a year and a half ago. In 15 or 16 years of covering the draft, my least favorite pick of all time. And I thought at the time, wow. I can't wait to see this guy play. Can't wait to see if he's worth it. So a little over a year later, uh, I'm excited. I mean, I'm disappointed the reason why he's playing. But I'm excited that we get to see what this guy's got, number one. And number two, I'm wondering if the expectations and the pressure on him, and if this matters at all, grows at all this week because Mike White, because Cooper Rush, because Trevor Simeon, three guys without a lot of recent experience or no recent experience, came in and played very well for their teams. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Paul. Um, you know, I watched Jordan Love in the preseason, 
and everybody, wow, look at this, and I just, I didn't see that. Um, it was okay, but the talent, you know, the throwing, it didn't jump off at me at all. And But the good thing in his favor, uh, okay, they their offensive line, whatever, they should be able to ha- handle Kansas City enough to give him chances. Right. And we know Matt LaFleur is going to do a good job of designing an offense that's going to take a lot of pressure off of him. They, they're a team that has tons of uh, short passes, little concepts that really you don't have to make a decision. You just catch the ball and throw it to the guy outside or coming off picks. I mean, how many picks did Aaron Rodgers run against the Arizona Cardinals? Right. My gosh. Right. I think they ran the same play like ten times. I'm yeah. exaggerating a little, but not a lot. So I, I would expect that, you know, watching him play. But also I think Kansas City knows what to expect too. So right. it'll be interesting to see will they play zone and kind of be smart that way, or are they going to try to come after a young quarterback, which I think would be a mistake. Yeah, I mean, Dad said all the right things, I think. I mean, Jordan Love, hey, listen, if they're open, he can hit you. I don't know yet if he's going to be able to make high-level, game-changing throws. Which they're used to getting there. Well, they, well that, that to me is you know what they're going to miss. You're going to miss a guy who, yes, you know, it, you know, again, it's not about offensive explosion with Green Bay right now. They're about execution. We're going to execute you to death on both sides of the ball. And just like right. last week, we're kind of going to wait for you to screw up. And when you do, here comes our foot on your throat because we're going to score a touchdown. And now we're up a possession or two in the football game, and you're playing a game that you're not, you know, you didn't want to play necessarily. That's where they're great. And that's where, you know, I think, yeah, they're going to miss the handful of throws that you're alluding to that Rodgers makes every game where we just go, holy crap. I mean, that was unbelievable. There was nothing there. That's an amazing throw. But I think ultimately, too, what Dad's getting to is just a little as, you know, they're going to miss – now there's going to be, hey, here's the play in the huddle. Jordan Love's going to call the play, and they're going to walk, walk up to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to call that play. That's going to, it's going to be. You know, every now and then he'll have a check with me, okay? We wanted to run here, but the safety's here, so we're going to run over there. Yes, but they're going to miss the element of Rodgers being able to really control the game at the line of scrimmage and do it the right way. And he's shown great patience all year. I think that's jumped out to Dad, too, I think. And just like, oh, yeah. That yeah. you're going to play too deep? Fine. We'll run the ball. We'll throw the short passes underneath. That's fine. We'll just kind of, you know, matriculate the ball down the field that way. Mm-hmm. And then when you get okay, sick hey. of that, I know. And then when you get <laughs> sick of that, we'll try to take a shot down the field. And that's where I think it can be an, an uphill battle uh, for Jordan Love. I mean, you, you agree with that, Dad, or disagree or what? Oh, no, I agree with it. You know, yeah, you're not going to be able to expand the offense. You're not going to have all the checks and everything. Of course, Aaron Rodgers with the great experience. And, you know, too. The, you know, we just take for granted as fans and as people, an analysts or whatever, all the back shoulder throws that you just go, oh, oh God, that was Aaron Rodgers. No, those are really special. And he makes it look so easy. He's so good at it. And that's really a huge part of their offense. Not just with Devontae Adams. Yeah. Whoever gets the chance, they know that they don't beat their guy right away. It doesn't matter. They're expecting back shoulder throws. And they're one of the best in the NFL at it, if not the best. And uh, so that'll be interesting just to see. But you were right. They're very patient. They've run the football. And between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, they manage football games right up there with one other team as good as anybody in the NFL. And who would that be, my son? I mean, I'm going to say you're thinking New England that way. Ah, you got it. Okay, ding, ding, ding. You're right. (laughs) I was afraid he was going to answer that wrong, Paul. Uh, But New England is an unbelievable managing football team of the game or the co- and I told you you didn't watch their game against the Chargers when you watch it I tell you you're going to laugh yeah. because it was a it was a clinic 
on how to take a team that I don't know what we say about their talent. It's okay. Uh, you know, I'm not convinced they're somebody to really worry about in the long run. I don't know. I've got to see more. But, man, did they do a great job of managing the game against the Chargers last week. Yeah, no doubt about it. I did get that game in, too, and we're going to break that down here on the uh, podcast in a little bit. Um, I got dad, Dad's referring, like we talked earlier, I hadn't watched the Patriots offense mm. yet, so I okay. got that in. Um, well, but, you know what? It, yeah. It's old. Listen, there, it's 90% of it's between the hashes. <laughs> it's, I, like, it's unbelievable. It really it is. It really is. I was laughing watching it going, oh, my gosh, this is like – this is not even 1980s. This is 1970s. <laughs> right. You know? I, yeah, I felt it, like it was a little like you got Giants 1990 Otis Anderson up the middle. Like, that's a, <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good one, yes. Yeah. Yes. You know? Check it, it, it really Jamie was. Morris, a lot of man yeah. blocking, stuff like that. And, you know, but just listen, it's, that's what you do. You work with what you got, and you can't create something you, that you can't reach – and I think New England, really on both sides of the ball, you know, too, you're, you're right. Their defense has changed a little. Playing more zone, very good at it. I thought they, you know, what they did against the Chargers, and many times this year has been very good. Yeah, no doubt about it. So this, this Jordan Love playing quarterback for the Packers yeah. is a brand new story. Right. Pretty Go back new to story. I'm interested, too, Paul, Chiefs to answer offense. your question. I'm interested in seeing him play, and I'm not going to overjudge him. I'm, you know, of course, I'm watching TV. Oh, now we're going to see if he's the guy. <laughs> well, I, I think I'd like, I need more than one game yeah, before course. I'm decide right. if he's a uh, bust or not. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see. And I just want to see the raw talent. And once, once it, if that shows, that would be enough for me. Before we before we ran this one back out there, the Jordan Love playing instead of Aaron Rodgers, you were kind of taking yourself down a road to talk about the Chiefs' offense and some strong thoughts you had there. It's been a real headline the last couple of weeks uh, how they've been succeeding and not succeeding here recently. What are your Chiefs' offense thoughts? Well, many things. I think uh, they can't they can't watch the film against the Giants and go, "Oh yeah, we're back." They they can't do that because it wasn't. Um, I, I see when I watch it. You know, everybody is covering the deep crossers, the bend backs, you name it. It's like yeah. and the change of direction when the Patrick Mahomes, you know, runs and breaks the pocket or whatever, and the receivers all break their routes. I see over the last, you know, three or four weeks, I've watched the Chiefs closely. Hey, defenses are ready for it. They're breaking with these guys or the backside safeties, all that are waiting on it. And, you know, it's, it's just not, you don't look at it and go, wow, this is great rhythm by the offense. Uh, I don't see Patrick Mahomes. I can't say that he did it once in a game where he said, here's the concept of the play, and I'm going to go one, two, three. That's kind of how you think as a quarterback, as you know, Paul. I never saw that. If he'd have done it, it would have been a lot easier night. He would have had better stats, and he passed up throws that could have won the game for him, too. By the first guys, there he is, wide open. Nobody covered him, but he was already moving, and there was no pressure. Yeah. yeah so I don't know what year. makes him move – I don't know what makes him move so fast. Uh-huh. Maybe he's just in such a habit of doing it that he can't overcome it. And also, I see this. Once he breaks the pocket, it's, you know what everybody's going to do against you now. When he breaks the pocket, there's always some, somebody to the side, right or left, that's sitting there in zone, and as soon as he breaks, boom, they come flying up, and he's not going to avoid them. Yeah. And not that they do it every time in their perfect you know, coverage, but I see it a lot. The Giants, they copied the same game plan that the Buffalo Bills did. Yeah. That's what everybody's doing that. And it's, hey, it's working. 
So, you know, that that's alarming to me when you think about the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, their offense, we expect it to be great. That's what it's built to be with Andy Reid and all the, you know, the talent they have. And um, I, it was just another disappointing performance in, in my eyes against the New York Giants. Yeah, it was. Dad, I want to go just want ask you personally about yourself. Like, do you ever remember, like, in a 15-year career? I mean, I know you had bad moments and stuff. but Oh, yeah. He's right now so off kilter, like you said. It just very rarely goes through the read true to form. Very rarely manipulates the pocket the way you see a lot of the other top quarterbacks do that. Like, did you ever go through a, a period in your career where you were a little bit like, man, what what am I doing? Why am I getting off the first read so quick and then just going right to the third read? I mean, can can you speak to that at all? I didn't play enough to be able to speak to that, so I I I, I can't say. And I, of course, was never at your guys' level. Well, yeah, I did, you know, and it, it, it kind of goes. In, in other words, hey, when we won the Super Bowl in 86, I mean, man, it, it, I went through a stretch where I was like, hell, if I complete a pass, this is the greatest moment in my life. <laughs> and, but it really was because we were a little uh, hampered. Our receivers were hurt. You know, we were just going through a period where we couldn't get it together. And, of course, that shakes my confidence. And then I am quicker to do things than I normally would. Right. And guys would be open, but hell, I was already moving on to the next guy. Right. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, sometimes just trying to find an easy throw to get a completion. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was tough. And then finally, when everybody kind of came together, you know, which always happens to the Super Bowl team, you get it together whenever that is, week 10 or sometimes around there where you become really who you are. And that's what we did that year, too. So, yeah, I. I had, of course, many stretches like that, more than I'd like to count. But I think when you talk about Mahomes, he's in that. And the other thing to watch, watch him throw the ball. His stride is longer, longer than, than ever. ever. Yeah. It's longer than ever. So when, the, when you have a long, what does that do? Well, if you're stepping really long with your foot in the stride, that means your arm has to lengthen with it. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have a quick release with a long stride. No. So everything's got to match in your body. And I, that was it really jumped off. I was all of a sudden go, man, is he stride. It was like he was coming off the mound. Yeah, he was, it was. He was taking such a big front step. No doubt about it. And that it. does a lot of things to the football. And you, to me, most of the time you're going to miss high when you do. He didn't miss really many high. But they got a great break. Uh, the Giants, Zimenez, jumped off sides on the interception. That probably would have cost them the game. Right. But uh, they overcame it and took it down the field and got the field goal to win it. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun reasons to watch uh, Chiefs. Oh, and I mean, third time, this weekend. third time we're cheated by it. I know. I mean, we had Mahomes get hurt with the kneecap injury. Yeah, we had last year the NFC Championship game where we're going. I mean, you know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we got a chance to have Rodgers Mahomes. Yeah. That doesn't happen, and yeah. now we got this here again. Not, not so again. I know it's so. killing me. It's well, you know, too, me. the quarterbacks would take it. You know, listen, Mahomes. You know, he wants a piece of Rodgers, and Rodgers wants a piece of him. Right. You know, somebody said. Hey, is it personal between quarterbacks? And I said, of course. Yeah. Of course. You'd like to win the game, walk across the field, shake his hand, and you're sitting there thinking, how'd you like that? Yeah. Right. And, you know, but whatever. Yeah, of course. Just like defenses, whatever. Everybody, there's always a little personal, you know, battle that you want to try to win, no matter if it's just against the other quarterback or maybe the coach, whatever it is. Hey, Phil, Cowboys, the Cowboys are always top of mind, especially when they've only lost one game heading into November, and they just did it with Cooper Rush in dramatic fashion. You think of the Cowboys right now. What's your first thought? Oh, Super Bowl roster, possible Super Bowl team. That's my first thought. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking it for weeks. And, man, they're doing nothing to, you know, back me off. 
It's when you look at their roster. I've said it many times here in the last couple of weeks. It seems like, but it's homegrown. I mean, they did get the great when I mean, they traded for Amari Cooper. That's worked out, but they got about twenty some players on the team that they've drafted that are making key contributions to their football team. They're big. They're fast. And Dan Quinn's doing a really good job of kind of not the same guy watching the defense. No. You know, he's doing different things, and it's 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 working for the uh, Cowboys. And they are rough, and they're rough on both sides. Yeah, and that's what the NFL's about. Always when it comes down to it, what did the what did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have over Kansas City in that Super Bowl? No yes, doubt. I know Kansas City was hurt, but. Tampa Bay was the bigger, rougher football team, and that's just one of the reasons why they won the game. And I see that with the Cowboys. Yeah. I think they're right up there with all the people you want to talk about right now in the NFC. Yeah, no doubt about it, Dad. I know, you know, you, 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 I mean, we know the offense is amazing. The defense is a surprise. I think Dad hit, the, hit it you know, spot on. We've talked about it. Dan Quinn's not the same. It's not Seattle scheme, cover three, every play, every play, every play, every play. I mean, now it's like I don't even know what the, what the hell to call this defense. I really don't. It's hard. I mean, they do everything. Well, no, what it is is they're doing a lot of game plan specific Yes, things. they are. Now, I didn't exactly. watch the Minnesota game yet, but right. I saw it yeah. on TV. Right. I mean, do you so, look at them at all with any glaring weakness? Like, I keep thinking something's going to pop up. Like, I thought maybe last week might have been the week. I thought, oh, maybe Minnesota's going to be able to run it on Dallas. Dallas hasn't had to play a real good running offense all year, maybe other than the Patriots, who were kind of just getting getting it going, you know, a few weeks ago on that side of the ball, running the ball. But, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that really jumps out to me, Dad, that I just look at them to go, well, this can be an issue down the road. Uh, I see nothing on the football team that would worry me right now. Maybe some guys that are – a little mad that they're not getting enough footballs thrown their way or getting enough carries? I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, on both sides of the ball, I, I think as time goes on, I just see more. Uh, you know, Terrell Basham, I always liked him when he was with the New York Jets, and he's even looks more imposing down there in Dallas. Right. And, of course, Micah Parsons, my gosh, he looks – when I was watching him against Minnesota, just watching on TV, I'm going, is he growing? Is he getting bigger? Because <laughs> – he just his his He's presence amazing. is really incredible, yeah. and um, you know so many good things to think about when or to, even to talk about. And of course, Trayvon Diggs, I didn't like him coming out of Alabama. I loved him when I heard Nick Saban was one of his favorite players that he's coached. I went, well, that says a lot to me. And you know, he's that guy that can do both: watch the quarterback and the receiver at the same time. And those, to me, are always the scary corners that play both. And we see it a lot with Jalen Ramsey. I, if I was playing against the Rams, I wouldn't throw one football his way. Mm. If I did, it would be an outcut route. But if you throw it inside against corners that play that way, they can beat you to the football a lot of times. And I've seen, hey, Trayvon Diggs is doing it. You know, we've talked about this many times. You know, Akeem Talib was great at it. Jalen Ramsey, you know, the list goes on of guys that play that way and have great success. Yeah, no doubt about it. Phil, I want to get you on one more topic uh, that has to do with the passing game here. Mike White and the Bengals. Uh, Mike White against the Bengals was outstanding. Over 80%, over 400 yards passing. They, they really still haven't stopped him. Why couldn't they slow him down and beat him? Well, they played, to me, way too conservative. Just thinking, hey, let's be conservative, and they, he won't be able to beat us. And that was wrong. That yeah. was one. I was telling uh, Christopher earlier that, you know, Mike LaFleur was in the coaching booth instead of on the field this week. I big. really think mm. that helped him. Uh-huh. 
you know, you sit up there. I've been in that booth with when I was hurt with the Giants with Jim Fossil. And just watching him call plays, I'm like, wow, this is so much harder than I thought it was. <laughs> because it's, oh, the next play's there. And you got to have three options ready to go or whatever. But uh, Mike White, we went down and watched him practice in Forum Park. Yep. I did with my son. Right. And, you know, I was there to watch Zach Wilson, of course. But many times we went, man, Mike, Mike White throws it pretty well. And, you know, but I didn't pay attention because we wanted to see the other guys. Right. And, 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 I just listened to the Jet players, things they've said, uh, how he must practice like this all the time, and their analogy of him, which I'm not going to repeat here, basically he's the and man, that's what. And it was really, I was like, wow, it's so over the top. So this must not have been a surprise to a lot of the Jet players, that's for sure. Right. But he threw the ball yeah. really well physically. Right. And it just... It was it was awesome. I mean, the one throw he made falling backwards into the left corner of the end zone, perfect spiral, right on target. I forgot who caught it. Barrios. Right before he went out of bounds. Right, Barrios, Braxton Barrios. That was – I just went, oh, man, that just shows you right there. You don't get lucky on a throw like that. Right. And, of course, I saw him at the University uh, – or Western Kentucky, and, you know, I say this a lot. These guys like him, they get to throw so much in college that they come in in the pros are kind of pro-ready because he was a drop-back passer at Western Kentucky, put up huge numbers, and finally got his chance here to to show what he has. And, man, did he take advantage of it. Really interested to see how he plays on Thursday night because it's a, it's a step up here. This um, indie defense up front, they're tough. Uh, you can complete some passes on them down the field, I think. Their secondary is just okay. Yeah. So I'm anxious to see him play tomorrow night for sure. No doubt. All right. I know you got to go, but I got I don't know if you've heard me talk about this yet, too, but this, the Bengals and the Mike White conversation annoys me right now. It annoys me, period. It annoys me. Wow. I mean, first well, off. Well, the Bengals did everything. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. You're... But you're right about their defense, what they did. Yeah. And then on the offensive side, they, I saw the Bengals' offense from last year. Right, too conservative. It's, get the shotgun, let's throw it every right. down. And then yeah. when they ran it, I just, get under center. I, you know, I should have, you know, made numbers out of it. When he was under center, they either ran it well or he had a play action, whatever. Just not enough of that. I thought they fell back into the trap. And it was just another reason why they lost the game. No, no, no doubt. They fell into the trap of, hey, puffing the chest out. We beat the Ravens. We're going to beat the Jets. I mean, there's, there's all the Jets coming off an ass whooping by the Patriots where they yeah. ran up the score on them. So it's the, the human emotions is a real thing. There's that aspect. You know, one other aspect I wish I would have thought about with Mike LaFour being up in the box, too, is, you know, I'm sure he took things from his brother and the, the, the Packers or the Bengals, too, and then took off of that. But, like, the thing that drives me crazy, Paul, and you probably haven't heard me say this because I said this on Monday's podcast like you know up here in New York he's the franchise now last week what the fuck how could he be our backup how could we do this with him as our backup how stupid are the Jets now it's this week trade Zach Wilson and Mike White's (laughs) the future and so I hate that okay and that's a that's a well yeah that's what it's become I mean I turned on talk radio Monday morning and I was like I have to turn it off it's, I'm getting stupider listening to Another it. Another example, you said human emotions well, are, are a real thing. Well, a real thing. Are you exactly right? Yeah. I mean, oh, okay, so then let's let's break it down. Like the Bengals, way too conservative, like Dad said. on. Like they played the, well, let's let him mess it up. Okay, early on, he tried to mess it up. 
They didn't take advantage of opportunities. I mean, they tried. I mean, he did his best. He gave him the ball at the one, and he gave him the ball like in the red zone with stupid interceptions. Yeah. Dodged the bullet with a few other interceptions that hit Bengals players in the chest. At some point, I would just want to go, okay, but now here we are in the third quarter. He's in a rhythm, Bengals. He's carving you up four yards at a time. Let's change the freaking game plan. Like it's, it's, he's they already, never did. They never really did. They never really forced the issue. And – to me, here's my last part. This is my pet peeve. I hate this about the NFL. It's the backup quarterback. we got to come up with a million ways to help him out. Well, where the fuck were some of these plays with Zach Wilson? Where were they? He threw the ball shorter than any other quarterback in football last week. Mm. When I came in on Monday and I heard all this and talk radio and Pete did a little, little, I said, Pete, he, he, he didn't make any throws the whole game. Dad probably mentioned the best throw of the game. Mm. Off his back foot, a crossing route. Everything else. It was one of the shortest throwing performances of the year in the NFL. Hmm. Only three other quarterbacks. It was the only three other quarterbacks threw the ball shorter than he did in one game in the whole season. That is not sustainable, New York Jets fans or New York fans or football fans. Not sustainable. Like the Colts are going to take away the four yard completion this week. I can promise you that. So we're going to learn a lot about Mike White. But hmm. you could say I get fired up. Yeah. And I hate that shit. Well, I hate well, it. Yeah. You you are right. I mean, it is unbelievable. And they were all everybody on radio, and especially on TV, because you know it's what's great. I love sitting here working, and of course I got the TV on. But it was really when Baker Mayfield was out. Oh, this could be it. Oh, what are we going to do? If, you know, if they play well, win, then we might have to start. You know, Baker Mayfield will be the backup. Oh my gosh, it was just it was it's crazy. Instant. You know. I know. Yeah. Right, right away. And it's amazing how people get so uh, – everybody in the business gets so excited about it, They can't wait to see somebody fail and the next guy come in. It's true. I, I, it's true. Or, I or I shouldn't say it's when they don't like the guy that's starting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, right. That, that, that's what it is. You right. know, oh, we don't – whatever. That I, I don't quite get it. Yeah, but. I know. I know. That's, that's it. I mean, if, if, if what happened with the Cowboys on Sunday night with Cooper Rush two years ago when the yeah. Dallas fans were still trying to go – oh, he's not good, and oh my gosh, he can't win every clutch game that we've ever played in. Like, how dare he? And, you know, and the, the grading companies didn't grade him as high as they should. Like, every, it, it, people would have shit on Dak Prescott. Yeah. But now this game, because everybody's seen enough now and goes, he's special, they're like, okay, Cooper Rush, that was a good job. But, it, but we, like, we like Dak now, so yeah. we like Dak. Right. And, yeah, the, the, the simple fact of the matter is if Dak was playing the other night, that would have been a blowout. Like, that's where people yeah. lose context. It would have been domination. The game would have been over. Do you see their defense could stop Minnesota? So, either way, got me going. You can see I'm hot about no, this stuff. No, it's good. <laughs> you, know, I, you know what? It's funny. Now, you know, I haven't del- dived into any numbers. I didn't realize that this was the third shortest throwing game of the year fourth, by a quarterback. Fourth, fourth show. Fourth, fourth, yes. Yeah, there was only three quarterbacks that threw it shorter all year. It was Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, and, and Jimmy G. Must have been some pretty good so, catch and run, though, because his, his yards per attempt well, kind of numbers were Well, he threw screens to Michael good. Carter, and there he so runs for 30 and yards. Run, yeah. And then it's Jamison Crowder in the slot, and nobody's covering him because they're playing a deep zone. He throws it right. four yards. He runs for 15 more. I mean, that's what it was. So and that's where you're like, Cincinnati, what are you doing? He was 0 for 10 with any throws, wow. oh, zero attempts of so 20 maybe yards his, down his the best field. teammate was Cincinnati's defensive philosophy. Well, a little bit, a little bit. There's no doubt. They didn't change. But, Dad, yeah. I know you got to go. I will say this yeah. real quick. Yeah. Joe Burrow, you know, got off, I, I guess you'd say, to a slow start against the Jets. Yeah. But he did come alive. And I just, as I kept watching, I go, oh, man, he made a lot of tremendous plays in the game. Yep. And he, he gave him a chance to win. 
And so that was interesting, too. I was watching at first going, man, you could tell right away they were flat, uh, all those things. But when he got rolling, it gave him a chance. But it was too late. Yeah, you know? it was too not, late. Not that exactly it was too late, right. but they couldn't overcome the fact, oh, I know what I wanted to say. So when we had good teams, when we played Washington or San Francisco, those kind of matches, right. you know, our, Bill Parcells would not even be – he just would coach us. But if we played, let's say, the St. Louis Cardinals or, or the Arizona Cardinals, or, the, or a team that we were clearly much better than, right. he was the biggest whatever in the world. <laughs> Asshole. Because he knew <laughs> just, yeah, well, whatever, I'm not going to yeah. say. Yeah. But he knew that just it's just human nature that you would relax and let up a little, even though you, you think you're not, but you are. And he would be incredible. And we really never lost to those type of teams in, that, in about a five-year span right. because he was going to make sure that we were going to be ready. And practices were awful. He was awful. But the good thing is we'd go on the road and the Cardinals, whatever, and we would just wipe them. Game. Game would be over in the second quarter. And I'd get on the bus after the game going, damn, he did it again. And, it, and guys would get on. Hey, some players would have wagers. We're not going to lose. And he, we were feeding right into what he wanted. Right. You know, let's bet. You know, he goes, all right. You know, he actually did. I shouldn't say that. I don't care. <laughs> it's a friendly. says something to one of our players, Maurice Carthon. Maurice Carthon got mad during practice and yelled at him, be quiet. We're not going to lose the game. And, and Bart said, yeah, we are. And they had a wager. Right. I won't say what it was. And, of course, Bill never gave it up. Yeah, you know? right, right. But, but you know, that's, that's what it takes. Yeah. That's what it takes. When you're a good team and you take a step down against a lesser team, it's just human nature to let down a little. Yeah. And unless you have somebody there to change that attitude physically, mentally, and all that, it, that's why you get upset, like the New York Jets, what they did to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, no so. doubt. You the man. That was great stuff. All man. right. Well, look, it's good being on, Paul. I hope everything's well with you. And yes, I heard sir. y'all talking before. I can't throw ten balls anymore, Christopher. Yeah. I didn't. I got to tell you, I didn't throw one pass the whole summer. Or the whole offseason overhand. Not one. Wow. Why would I want to? <laughs> Surge I mean, might, might a, tear something. <laughs> it's just, hey, it, it's why well, take a chance. Yeah. So you're right. I still throw it underhanded, and that's that's a lot easier on my body. So you the man, Dad. Hey, Happy you guys birthday, have a great Phil. day. All right, man. Happy All right, birthday. Man. Thank you. See All right. Thank you. Later. Later. All right, bye. Yeah, that was a good talk. Yeah, that was a got good him talk. Got going on a number of things. Got him going. Awesome. Got me going. That's got you why, going that's a little bit. Father, at the end. You saw why father son are uh, alike. You got there. a little redder. I could feel you. Oh yeah, I, could feel I just heart I, rate I, going. to me that's just that's hot take bullshit. That's a you know. It's so, good so, for you to raise that flag and say that though, because I mean, unless you watch the game really closely, you see a quarterback come in and put up those the numbers. numbers and the they points. win. They win a, a, a by the scoreboard. Looks like a shootout. Right. They show you a few highlights. Yeah. Where the best throws of the day. Yeah. Here's to your point about their leading receiver was Michael Carter, yeah. running back. Their third leading receiver was a running back. All right. So he threw to the running backs. He has 14 completions. For 166 yards. Do you think they should let Zach Wilson Jameson do that Crowder more? In the sl- yeah, yeah, to me, that's where that's where I dro- instruct him to. That's where my thought was. That's where I was watching the game going, where was – I watched Zach Wilson and they play action pass, max protection, two guys 40 yards down right. the field, throw a laser in there. Like, 
oh, okay, coach, I'll just do that over and over. I mean, that's what they were doing. It's like, are, are you trying to help your rookie quarterback or not? It's, that's what bothers me. And, of course, this is something I brought up, and I've been talking about this for years because I've witnessed it, whether I was the backup or even if I was the starter and got hurt, where I see all of a sudden the coaches want to go extra creative, and I just want to go, well, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Like, where are these plays when yeah. I was a starter? Yeah. Or why did you invent this play for me and not have it in for Brad Johnson last week? And it week? all goes together. Well, then you have a defense that because they're playing against Mike White, right. they, they back off they a little bit. Exactly Let's just right. be Let's safe. Just be this safe. guy's not going to exactly, beat us. Exactly just don't right. screw it up. Exactly right. It, just, it played into the perfect storm there, yeah. and that, that always annoys me, and so I'm glad we got that done. All right, so let's go on to the next subject. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Tennessee's overtime win over Indianapolis, uh, giving us a lot to talk about anytime a show on a Wednesday is labeled What the Fuck Happened. Yes. And Carson Wentz, who I believe he had one interception in his right. first seven games, right. which is fantastic. Yep. He throws two late in big, big moments. Uh, let's begin there with figuring out what happened to him. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's you know, first off, let, let's just talk broader game, really. I mean, the, the Titans' defense is good. It's getting better and better. I mean, really, even, you know, I know they lost that Jets game five weeks ago. It, it wasn't bad, that game. I mean, Zach Wilson made, made a few throws and throws. plays yeah. where you just went, damn. Yeah. It was a little like Josh Allen against them where you went, they played pretty good. He just... The damn guy they played quarterback made a few plays and throws where I don't know what you want the defense to do. So that's going to happen in this modern-day NFL. But Carson Wentz is not Josh Allen, for that matter. And, of course, this is a division team that they have a good feel for in the offense. The Titans are—it was Strugglesville all game long for the Colts on offense. All game long. They had the first drive. I understand that. Never put too much stock into the first drive with the first 15, and we're going to do things that they haven't seen, and we're going to catch them off guard. Like, don't ever put, like, oh, look at that drive. They're going to win the game now. Don't, don't. That's, those are special delivery plays. You don't know how the game's going to go from there. The defense is going to adjust after that and start to go. But the first drive was tough. The second drive was a one-play seven-yard touchdown off of the Tannehill interception. And then after that, I mean, it was tough sledding, and it was – Pass interference that moved the ball for them yeah. for the most part. You know, so it was not easy. Here's my first thing I would say about the game, Paul. First off, yeah, Carson Wentz held the ball a little too long, no doubt about it. He was a little off in throwing the ball. He got stuck on the first read a little bit too long, like we saw in weeks one, two, and three when they were losing a few games where you're just going, man, you know, get off it. It's over. He's not, he's not going to be there. Um, and then the other thing where I'll blame Frank Reich a little bit is just he got away, gets away from the run game at times too often. My goodness. Too yeah. often. Now, they had some holding penalties on some runs, and I think he probably got frustrated with that going, damn, every time I get a run play, we end up back in, you know, first and 15, first and 20, and that bothered him, I'm sure. Yeah. But in this type of game, you got to be able to see also that the passing game is not going to work on all cylinders. It was a struggle. Yeah, and exactly. that to me is where they did him did Carson Wentz a little disservice too because I don't think they played to one of the brighter spots in, in their matchup specifically against right. Tennessee. When teams when when, it's, when there's such a discrepancy between the pass attempts and, and their commitment to the run game, yeah, I always ask myself two questions. Well, was it a close game? Right. 
This is close, close the as entire it gets. time. Exactly right. Number two, well, maybe it just flat wasn't working. Right. It was working fine. It was fine. working fine. Jonathan Taylor was getting, I mean, not giant numbers, but decent. Good enough. So, I mean, like, the success he was having with the offensive line, the fact it was a close game, there's really no reason that Carson chucks it 51 times. No, exactly And Taylor right. carries it 16. Exactly right. Exactly right. With, right now, an offensive line that's good at pass protecting, but I'm not going to say it's great. I mean, Fisher got his butt whooped a little mm. bit on the left side. You know, Harold Landry, Dupree, they had their issues, all right? You know, their right guard, 62, I'm going to blank on his name. You know, he's a little bit of a weak spot for them that way, too. You know, you'd think, you know, running the ball helps protect that. And then this is where I want to get to the tape and, like, you know, the Titans have caught into a team, like a thing that we talk about a lot. First off, they – are like a team we're going to talk about in a few minutes where they've mastered zone coverage. Mm. They are like Syracuse in the 2-3 zone in basketball. When you do this, they know how to pass it off and play it perfectly. It doesn't matter how well. They are really well coached in the back end. So I want to make sure you know we give their defensive coaches their due respect that way. You know The pass rush is coming alive that we talked about. And then that fad that you and I talk about a lot, the blitz zone change yeah. where it's – we blitzed two, but two dropped. It's still only four and still seven in coverage. And they have mastered that as well. And that, to me, would also be like, well, I don't want to throw the ball 51 times against that. Right. Uh, and not with our offense and a T.Y. Hilton who gets hurt and there's no Paris Campbell. So I, I thought the approach was a little ro- wrong that way, let alone some careless moments by Carson Wentz. So as for his two interceptions, you mentioned careless. I thought his second pick uh, was a worse quarterback's pick than Definitely. his first one. But – the first one needs to be revisited anytime it's a – I think he went opposite hand for the pick six. Yes. Needs one more look. Yeah, it, yeah. It's got to have one more look. And, yeah, listen, this is not groundbreaking. We're not going to sit here and I'm not going to tell you anything schematically where anybody's going to go, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, hey, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a screen play, okay, to Mo Cox down here at the bottom of the screen. If everybody's watching, we got, like, tight end to the right. Here's Mo Ali Cox. You got Michael Pittman in a close split, real close to him. And then slot receivers to the top of the screen or to the left of the quarterback, right? And they're, they're going to run a little play action fake to Naheem Hines to get the defense flowing right away from uh, Mo Ali Cox, all right? But again, this is where this is a well coached football team through and through. I mean, Mike Vrabel, New England, he's showing what he's all about. Now, what I don't understand is okay. He does a little play-action fake. He looks downfield, and that's what you're supposed to do. Look downfield, get the coverage to drop, right? You know, buy a little time, let the screen play develop, let the linebackers and secondary drop down the field because you think, hey, we're going to throw the ball down the field. All right, then I'm fine with that. Everything to this point to what we're showing here is great. But now he's sitting here, he's in the goal line. Now he makes contact, eye contact with his so-called the screener. Yeah. Mo Alley Cox. It it's not there. I he, mean, he's trying. To, like he initially was trying to ground it. Or he's it got like right. He was going he's to. got people in his face. You know, Harold Landry is a foot away from Mo Alley Cox. He's about to throw the ball at Mo Alley Cox's yeah, feet. Yeah. And be done with the play. So do it. Be done with it. It's twenty-four all with a minute thirty-one left. And this is I, – I just I – don't, I don't understand that one. This, this one's just crazy to me. For a guy who's played as much football as he has, I don't know what he was expecting to happen or why he wouldn't have just thrown that ball at the ground or the feet somewhere in the vicinity by where Mo Alley Cox is. But then, like, you said it. I mean, 
compounds it by now I'm going to try to run to my left with two defenders a yard and a half away from me running at me and switch the ball. He again thought about grounding it backhand with his right hand. And then he switches the ball to his left hand and decides to try to throw like legitimately to Naheem Hines, who's, who's blocking and looking down the field going, where's the ball? What's going on? And, of course, we know the rest. Elijah Molden, rookie from Washington, makes the big pick. And now you're down seven points. I mean, that to me, just, I don't That's know. It's incredible. He, he had three options, and he went through the first two. I mean, there's no style points. I mean, just get it on the ground. He went down, then he went backhand, then he went to the left, which was by far really the only bad option was the left-handed hook shot he threw. Well, no, exactly right. He he took the the worst door of the yeah, options yes. there, and yeah. and you know again these are the kind of plays too. I, I know people that will defend him are going to say, well, he's getting he's afraid of getting grounding. Now, when you got two eligible receivers behind the line of scrimmage that are even rules. close to the vicinity, the refs don't really call. Yeah. They're not going to call that. They're not. So that was just a total brain fart. I don't think there's any other way to say that. One quick question yeah. about it. I thought it was interesting. Frank Reich blamed himself for the pick six. Yeah. I've been around too long to know you don't call a screen pass backed up in that situation. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, he's, I don't he's know. doing the right thing. He's trying to stick I'd love up for to his play guy. for Frank Reich, right. play for him, but I mean, I, I don't think he needed to throw that out there. Yeah, oh, I think he's just trying to stick up, take a little pressure off Carson Wentz. He understands how much, you know, it's such a, a, a you know, a bar topic of Wentz and what the hell is he going to do? And we're used to seeing these type of plays. This is what everybody is scared of him about. He hasn't done it much this year, to your point. It's only been one interception. But this game, he flirted with danger a lot. He really did. And, of course, this was the the pinnacle of it right here. Okay, then the the, the throw in overtime was, I mean, it was a legitimate throw. It was right. it was a terrible decision in a, in a gigantic moment. Just, I mean, there's no other way to say it, too. Again, yeah. just a decision of, like, this is Carson Wentz and his bad stretches with the Philadelphia Eagles, where you're just going, what are you looking at? Like, did you, where, you thought you were going to fit that ball in? I, I don't really understand his thought process here. And again, it's five minutes, five minutes, almost six minutes left in overtime. It's a first and ten play. It's a play-action pass to the left. Okay, to Jonathan Taylor, and they're going to run the old NCAA pass or whatever, the play that everybody puts in for the first play action pass of the year, which is just post over the top and then Michael Pittman on the deep crosser. Now, they call these kind of plays probably two or three times a game, every game, and that's fine, and they run little different variations. Sometimes that post guy runs post corner. You know, they keep, they keep you honest that way, all right? But I think um, – as we'll see here, and you guys hear me okay? Did my mic go out? Okay, I thought I went I out for a you. second. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so now, drop back. Protection's great. Protection's great. I want you to look here, first off. Like, I see two open guys. Two the open guys. There's a check down to Jonathan Taylor. He's going to catch the ball at five yards, and there's nobody in the screen. He's going to get the first down. Mo Alley Cox is down here as well. Like, same thing. I don't understand. He comes out throwing. Like, it's the most wide-open receiver he's ever seen in his life. Like, he can't wait to get the ball out of his hands. Oh, he's open. I'm going to strike gold. What? Mm. What? What? I mean, there was nothing about this that was open. Absolutely nothing. And yes, it's first and ten. It's I mean, first and ten. You could see here. They got everything all over. 
safety cut across, the guy covering a man to ma- or coming across with him was there to be there to, to make the play interesting. An underneath dropping defender was also there. I, I it to me is I I don't I don't get it at all. I really don't. I don't understand it. Um, and this was yeah a huge moment of the football game, of course, and just leaves it out there, you know, for 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 the Titans to steal the game. Oh, and this is the point I want to make, you know, because we've talked about this a lot because people are going to go, well, why, you know, why is the safety Kevin Byard down there? Does that mean the post route was open? And I want to say no, it does not mean the post route's open because. As I've told you, Tennessee has become the master of passing off zone coverages. Look at Janoris Jenkins here at the top of the screen. Yeah. The post route is right there. That's why he doesn't throw it. So it's not there. You know, and they're they're ready for this play. But there's three guys all over it. It was never open. I don't understand it. And an unfortunate loss to them because, you know, Tennessee was not playing their best football. They did a good job stopping Derrick Henry in the run. Mm-hmm. Tannehill made a few mistakes, but you know, they just didn't quite take advantage of the opportunities. Of course, the Taekwon Lewis interception where he tears his knee and drops the ball and the Tennessee Titans get the ball back and score a touchdown was a huge part of the football game. But, um, you know, th- just a crushing loss for the Colts where they had opportunities in this one to, to kind of control it or put Tennessee in a tough spot and just didn't do that. And, and really, as the game went on, played le- worse and worse. And Tennessee kind of got going more and more as the game went on. And now they're down three games in the AFC South. And right. one other point about the Tennessee defense, just yeah. to bring it back before we move on. Yeah. You talked about how, how well they're playing zone defense. Yeah. You can do that when you drop seven. Right. Instead of the 100%. rushing five. Which I, The first time you brought that up a year and a half ago, I'm like, I don't know. Is, yeah. is it that big a difference? Yeah. Huge difference. Huge difference, Dropping right? seven. You can have somebody 90 miles back to worry exactly about the coast, right. right? Exactly right. There's more options to pass things off. Yeah. You know? Right. It's just there's a lot less lanes to throw the ball. You're making the quarterback really read stuff. You know, and of course, the way they do it with two guys coming this way and two guys dropping that way and everything, it makes it confusing. Yeah. You feel like, I don't know if I'm seeing the coverage. Am I being blitzed? Am I pressured? You're kind of looking at the corner of your eye because you're like, whoa, that was a lot of chaos with yeah. the snap. I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, you know, with Tennessee right now, you know, when you talk about Landry Dupree, um, Danico Autry, uh, the, 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 the first-rounder from two years ago from Mississippi State, uh, the, the defensive tackle, 98, um, Jeffries. There you go. The kid who was, who yeah. was hurt. But yeah, yeah, it was hurt in his rookie year yeah, a little yeah. bit. Right. I mean, he's a that – that front four is real. They're getting be- – Dupree is getting better and better. Like, you better be willing to run the ball in Tennessee. Yeah, Jeffrey Jeff Simmons, Simmons, excuse me. Yeah. I could, I'm blanked out on the name. you got to be able to run the ball on them or at least be patient with it because if they get you into that game, they like it. Yeah. They like it. You know, He gets to be Johnny Creative on the backside. Um, they're, uh, who's it? Shane Bowen and, and, and Vrabel as far as the defensive minds there in that, in that group. So now Indianapolis, uh, they, they turn around right away and play Thursday nights. Right. Against New York. Uh, Jets also a fun topic, yeah. uh, as we talked about with yeah. Phil. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a look at the um, at the points bet numbers here with the Jets and also the Colts coming up on Thursday nights. Uh, ten and a half is the spread. Over under forty six and a half. How many picks will Carson Wentz throw? What do Whoa. you say? Okay. Well, I mean, again, he's going to be scarred by last week, so he's going to be extra careful. He's going to be going into the game going, wait, we're we're better than them, so I just I don't need to mess this game up or force the issue. So let's see. 
I mean, I'm going to say he throws one pick. Okay. I'm going to go with one. One is plus 175. Yeah, that's, that's as far as I'm going to go. I don't – I don't listen, I, I think he's at a point in his career and Frank Reich and everybody, they, they realize that if this doesn't work and things don't work, you know, he might be relegated to backup quarterback somewhere. So he's got to right. play this safe, and hopefully they'll run the ball a little bit. You know, this Jets defense, they can be a pain in the butt. I know everybody looks at the Patriots game and goes, oh, they got killed in that game. Game was kind of in the balance – you know, longer than you think, and just the Patriots kind of wore them down. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go with one there. I'm still going to play the way I've seen him all year, which has been, yes. fair, like, fairly it's, it's cautious with the good. football it's and pretty good. pretty good. Exactly I mean, right. To be fair to him, even though right. we pointed out those two picks, they were pretty inexcusable. Yep. For the entire season, 14 touchdowns, only three interceptions. Yeah, so exactly right. I, mean, I think it's nice to finish with saying, consider the entire picture. No doubt. Instead of just a couple of bad moments there. Okay, as for that other team, Tennessee Titans. Wow. No Derrick Henry. Yeah. No Derrick Henry. Giant game Sunday night Uh at the Rams. Led the NFL in rushing. Led the NFL in rushing attempts, both by significant amounts. Yeah. It's hard to imagine a team that would miss a running back more than they would miss him. What strategy would you take with the Titans without him to try and hang in there against the Rams? You know, I think, think again, I don't think they're going to totally abandon who they are. I don't. I think still Vrabel's going to still want to run the football and try to keep you honest there. Now, they're not going to be able to do it at the same capacity or the same, you know, uh, amount of attempts. Yeah, the only the only person with double-digit attempts besides Derek on the team is, is Tannehill. It's a lot of question marks at the running back position. Yeah. I mean, who do you really trust? So, I mean, again, I don't see anybody getting the ball like 28 times carrying yeah. the football, running the ball that way. No. You know, I, I, again, where the Titans are great, you know, is the fact that it was Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. Oh, you're overplaying it. Play action, A.J. Brown. Play action, A.J. Brown. Play action, right. A.J. Brown. You know, the big thing I want to see from Tennessee a little bit is, you know, can they do it without play action? I think that's the big question I have with them. They're one of those teams that's, yeah, it's, you know, again, the last few years with Arthur Smith, yeah, they were at their best when they ran the ball and play action. But there was enough offense there where I went, ooh, if they don't have that, they're still good enough. This year, I don't know if I feel the same way with Todd Downing and the way the offense is mm. run. It, to me, is a little bit more simple. I don't see as many great ideas in the pass game. And, of course, there's no Julio Jones either. So they're going to have to rely on those two guys and Ryan Tannehill to, to dice it up in the pass game a little bit more. But I think totally different of the Titans without right. Derrick Henry. I do. And at, at least, I mean, you think about the two teams without their MVP stars, the Packers yeah. and the Titans this weekend. Yeah. Packers go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. It's like, right. okay. Right. So I know it's different positions, but they don't have Derrick Henry, but at least they have Ryan Tannehill, who has been a 1A yes. to Derrick Henry's 1 right. to see what he can do now if, if he's given a little bit bigger load. Right. No, I, I think that that's right. And Tannehill, again, you know, the last few years, I always tell people, you know, aggressive throws, explosive yeah. plays throws, he's as good as there is in the sport. But, you know, what would scare me is just – I guess a little bit of I need to see some diversity first yeah. before I can really buy into saying it's going to work. Like right now, I'll stand by the comment of I'm just going to say playoff team no longer a Super Bowl team. They were looking like a Super Bowl team to me in the AFC. Like Recently, the team that yeah. I was getting into going, I think I have the least amount of questions about the Tennessee Titans as compared to anybody else in the conference right now. You know, but no, that's ended. And you know, who's going to be other than AJ Brown? The guy that steps up and can Julio stay healthy? Because I can promise you this week with the Rams, like they're not going to just let AJ Brown go off. 
They're not. There's. Yeah. I will be shocked. Let's see the AJ Brown game log. Right. Keep it going. Yeah. All good. Keep but, your uh, thought going. Yep. And you know, AJ Brown was a little beat up early in the year, but you know, this is about when they they got things going here as of late, as you could tell. Yeah, they got the Bills, Chiefs, and Colts all defending Derrick Henry, worried about the running game, and it started to be play action galore. AJ Brown, just like his touchdown last week. Again, it's like a reel. Wow. Last week was a play action pass, 15 yard out route. He catches it, he breaks a tackle, touchdown. I mean, that's where he's amazing. 25 catches in three weeks. I, I know. I know. They're feeding him, and yeah. that's what I mean. I mean, I got to think that Raheem Morris and the Rams, he's going to see a little Jalen Ramsey. He's going to see a little bit of like. You know, we got two guys, or we're playing cover two to your side. Uh, I mean, to me, if the Rams don't do that, then they're they're stupid. They're yeah. dropping the ball because I, this is definitely a game I'd go. No, somebody else has to beat us. Not it's not going to be that guy. And uh, yeah, it's going to be one of the fascinating things for me to watch on Sunday night is what they do with this offense. Well, Rams, one of the very few teams averaging over thirty points per game, and it's hard to imagine the Titans. You're getting into a game where they can even get into the high 20s. So their defense is going to have to come up with a way to kind of make the Rams a little bit lesser yeah, right. than what they have. Been. Right. All right, Tom Brady against the Saints defense. This was an awesome game to watch. Mm-hmm. All kinds of fun down to the end. Brady, for as fantastic as he's been against everybody else, and he's had he did have some really good moments on Sunday in the Superdome. Yeah, of course However, he did. Yeah. you look at Brady against the Saints, right. not just over the weekend, but including the playoffs, what he's done against them, one in four with the Buccaneers two seasons. Everybody else, he's 20-4, and four, and his individual number's down as well. Before we look at the specifics of what happened Sunday, sure. why do you think he has struggled so much against this defense? Well, I think, you know, I always go get, again, you know, divisional matchups. They know some of your tricks. They know that. I mean, this is definitely a game where, and we're going to show a few clips where I'm going to show you and go, like, look, they, they kind of know what's coming or what's going on here. But they have the personnel. They're one of the... They're one of the few defenses that can match up physically with them up front. You know, the one thing with Tampa, we know they want to throw the ball, but if you're ridiculous and just keep playing pass defense and keep playing cover two, they will smash your face with Leonard Fournette and company. they yeah. got a big, overpowering offensive line. The Saints have the ability to go, fine, let's try to smash it on us. We're still going to play too deep. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Our guys up front will take care of it. They did that. So they have that luxury of never really having to panic or you know, come down and go, man, we just can't see Leonard Fournette go six yards up the middle again. And then you know what happens there. It's play-action pass, and he hits you know, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin on a deep in cut, and you go, oh, watch out, the Bucks are rolling. Other thing that adds to the great coaching, Dennis Allen deserves to be in the head coaching conversation. I mean, how many years do we need to see the Saints defense kick ass, not only physically but schematically, you know, and they just have the right game plan, let alone their talent. They're talented in the secondary. I'm not going to say it's the most talented secondary, but when you talk about Marcus Williams and Jenkins at safety, and then we get into Marshawn Lattimore, mm-hmm. who can, you can go, hey, you got Evans a few plays. You just, you're on an island. Sorry. Yeah. He can do that. He's done very well against him over the years. You got that. P.J. Williams is not a bad cover guy. Chauncey Gardner, Gardner Johnson is a. Hell of a nickel, helps out in the run, got good short area quickness. And our rookie Paulson Adebo from Stanford, he can go too. I mean, he's playing well. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's given up a few plays, but that's why they match up. So I'm sorry for the long answer no, there. No, I gave a lot of reasons. 
but they're one of the few teams that can really was, match up yeah. mano y mano and brain to brain a little bit with what the Bucks want to do. I think the topic is worthy when you're talking about Tom Brady struggling consistently against yeah. one of the defenses. Right. It certainly deserves an explanation. Right. And I think we're, we're going to get to some snapshots throughout the game, not just at the end, yeah, right. but from first half to second of what right. they were doing. So um, go ahead and get up there. Okay. We pick it up in the first quarter. Early in the first, still no score. Yeah, I mean, here this is an easy one, okay? This is not, like, special, but it just shows to, like, you know, the, the Saints are – they're next level a little bit with how they coach and think and everything. Look at the you know, right here. If you're listening, it's Leonard Fournette directly behind Brady. There's two tight ends to the right. Okay. But I want everybody to notice one of these tight ends is an offensive tackle. He's yes, an eligible receiver by rules of the game, but you know, I, I think the saints are probably like, are they really going to throw to the eligible offensive tackle on the 44 yard line going in? Probably huh. not. So let's, this is what I love. Again, Paul, what are we looking at? Two deep safeties, yep. right? They're in a running formation, and they're kind of like, ah, screw you. We're still going to keep two deep safeties. There's two receivers to the left, all right? There's two, and they're playing man. It's two man, okay? These guys are going back, these two safeties. Um, this is, I believe, Werner, or Werner, the rookie linebacker from Ohio State. He's got O.J. Howard man-to-man. Demario Davis has tackle eligible, extra tackle to the right side. Oh, no, this is Werner. He's got number seven. I don't know who this is over here. I can't remember who that is, that linebacker at the end of the line of scrimmage. Either way, there you go, right? So the two corners are over to your left, corners over. Everything says to Brady, it's two-man. This is great. It's two-man. And they're going to run a little play-action pass to the left side. But it's two-man. And, again, this is not, like, high-level stuff. But Demario Davis, they've told him, hey, screw coverage. Like, shoot a gap. Run through the hole. And he knows he's got no coverage responsibility. I don't know what they tell him if they told him, hey, you're free to do whatever you want. If you see play-action pass, blitz the gap. But Brady called the protection not to over there, you know, because I think he's thinking like, wait, he's, you know, by the laws of the land, he's supposed to cover him, and this is not a blitz look. But Demario Davis, who's awesome and they're coached Mm -hmm. well, he just, he splits the gap. They're not ready for it. They're thinking we're getting covered too. This is perfect to do the play action. Let's throw a screen. Let's run our receivers down the field, and we'll hit him. They're calling this play for this coverage. It is a cover two-man screen pass. And, and you could see everything on the front side. They got it. I mean, they got it. They do. But Demario Davis gets so quickly up on Brady because he has no coverage responsibility that Brady misses the throw a little bit and it causes it to be off target. Just one little thing. Right. It's not like the, like the most brilliant thing in the world. But I just one thing where I went, oh, well, that's cool they did that. I think you'd see a lot of teams play them and go, well, yeah, we called cover two men and – okay, I'll stay here and watch the tackle eligible for a second and then just get in the middle of the field and play it. Yeah. You know, they play aggressive towards uh, Tampa in a lot of ways, and I do love that. Well, when you, are, when you have the number one opponent passer rating in the NFC, and I love that metric too because it basically says it's really tough to play quarterback against us. Yes. It's really damn hard right. every single week. There are a lot of little things that go into it like there, that. That's, that's exactly it. It's the little things, let alone the creativity. But this, to me, is a little thing that is just an awesome element about how well they're coached and, like, why waste this guy just sitting here yeah. right here 
and, you know, let them do whatever they want. They force the issue a little bit. And, of course, we know Brady with pressure and his lack of mobility is certainly one of the kryptonites or maybe the only kryptonite he has as a player. Okay, that was first quarter. It was scoreless there. Let's go early second quarter here, Chris. Still tied. Now it's 7-7, third down and six on the Saints 40. Yep, third down and six. There's a little Troy Aikman drawing on the screen there. Um, And, you know, this just is going to speak again to – Everything we've talked about, Paul, like creativity on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. It's two deep safeties. It's not necessarily too deep. They do a lot of things where it still might be cover three, but the guy that comes down in cover three still is playing pretty deep and looking at crossers. But still, there's two deeper presence at all times, okay? Now, you got like a formation here where – you got Davenport to the left at the traditional defensive line spot. Demario Davis on the inside edge of the left tackle. You know, I believe this is Quan Alexander on the inside shoulder of the right guard. And now you got two defensive linemen out on the right side. I think it's Passignon and Cam Jordan out here to where, first off, it's like, wait, who's coming? Exactly. Uh, I don't know who's blitzing. This guy could blitz over here on the edge, uh, over the edge of the, the tight end. Um, you know, um, what's his name? 84. I, I'm Cameron Bray. Way to go, yeah. Paul. So, yeah. so yeah. there's a lot of things here to where even for Tom Brady, who's seen every defense in the history of football and knows everything, he's got to be looking at this going, I'm not exactly sure who's coming. There are still questions there because, I mean, t- take it back to, to the uh, snap there, yeah. Chris, for a second. Right. Just want to point out, of the six players for the Saints defense, yeah. they're all basically on the line of scrimmage. Right. They're not all technically D linemen, right. but they're lined up in that area. Yes. Four of them are standing up. Four of them are standing up, right. So and this even is, if you're Tom Brady, you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that sure. guy's doing. I'm not sure. And this is Malcolm Jenkins over here. So let's watch the play play out. I mean – Again, what happens here is a five-man pressure with still a two-deep shell, as you can see behind it, right? So they're not going to li- – they're pressuring, but they're going, okay, you might get a completion, but you're not going to get like a 50-yard touchdown pass or a 40-yard touchdown pass or anything of that nature, all right? And they end up, like you said, picking – I mean, blitzing – let's see, what is it? One guy off the edge, Gardner Johnson, Malcolm Jenkins off the other edge – and then we got the two D linemen, Cam Jordan and Passignon to the right, who rush. And then you got over here, which I believe is Davenport. So they end up with five one-on-ones. And you have two of, the, two of them that lined up as interior defensive linemen turn and sprint to look up some kind so, of an under or exactly. curl. Exactly. That's where we're going to go to now. So now there's Demario Davis inside with Quan Alexander. And this is, to me, again, where... Anybody listening to my podcast, or you know, because you have to listen to me at times, they pay you to listen, whether you like it or not. But these are, this is where I classify as they obviously had a feel for their offense yeah. because they got guys dropping right where Brady and company want to throw the football, right? So I don't know exactly what their call is or whatever. It's called Dennis Allen knows what the fuck is coming from the Bucks offense. <laughs> that's what it's called, okay? And that's where he's got a great feel. But, yes, to your point here, so now we got basically five one-on-ones. They do a good job of, like, you know, picking it all up. But it is five-on-ones, and Brady, again, back to our, you know, these type of blitzes, 
you never feel comfortable all the time because you're just like, man, did everybody get picked up? Let me check here. Cameron Braid's got one-on-one basically on the outside here to the right side. You can see there's a safety lurking over the top of him a little bit and really looking for, you know, maybe anything inside from Cameron Braid or any type of deep crosser that comes his way. They basically play a cover two to the left side where there's three receivers over here, all right? Here's Lattimore, cover two. There's Marcus Williams going to cover two. And then the point that you brought up, Demario Davis coming all the way from the B gap and Quan Alexander all the way from the opposite A gap are going to come and try to get under the three-receiver combination that is on the left side of the formation for Brady. All right? And that's where, to me, again, it's just there is a knowledge. Look how it all plays out. Look at this. Wow. Look at how it wow. all plays out. So, you know, I think if Brady watched the film again, he'd probably go, you know, when they do this kind of crap, you know, maybe I should stay to the right a little bit longer and play Cameron Brake just on the one-on-one up here to the right side. You see that there. But, you know, again, he's, it's a corner on the tight end. He's got Cameron Jordan up in his face. So he probably can't see it clearly, and now he's going to try to get to – he doesn't really even try to get to the left side, I feel like, once he saw the people drop out. And you could see Demario Davis all over Godwin, Quan Alexander following Evans up the seam. There's a receiver out here to the left where Lattimore and the cover two safety are over it, and it's just a perfect defense. This is – this is, so this is week nine? Is week nine or week ten? Week, uh, this, is, yes. this is drop the mic for you and Dennis Allen because not only with the confusion at the, at, at the line of scrimmage, two guys who were lined up on the line of scrimmage sprinted and perfectly covered Godwin and Evans. Yeah, yeah. From right. about ten yards away. Exactly. And, and they knew exactly where knew they were where going. where it was coming. Exactly. That's, that was amazing. Yes. So they had a good feel. And, you know, Brady give you know, in fact, as I see it on this angle, because this is the first time I've actually seen this angle for everybody maybe watching or listening, I just watched the coach's film. I could see here, yeah, when he saw – Demario Davis and Quan Alexander running to the left. He got off it. So here's here's the snap. He looks to the left, and he probably doesn't think it's a two safety defense going that way. He thinks he's gonna have a huge hole. He's got nothing there. Now he comes back to the right. The pocket's collapsing because they yeah. did a good job of getting five one on ones. You know, again, this is smart five man pressure to me. And you got a corner who's clearly more athletic than a tight end who's kind of squatting on the route. Yeah. And Brady just goes, oh, shit, there's nothing here. Let me just right. kind of throw it at his feet. Maybe he dives and catches it. But it's really a throwaway. That's yeah. really what yeah. it is. Take it back to the beginning one more yeah. time. I sure. just want to point out one more thing just because yeah, I'm cool. so impressed. So hit pause here. Right, right before the ball was snapped. So yeah. take it back right before it was snapped. Yeah. You've got Davis and Alexander not giving even an ounce of a tell that they're not coming, no idea, and that they're yeah. sprinting that way no idea. to cover two guys. No idea. Really, exactly really right. well done. Really well done. They, they hold their disguises. They're really well coached. Demario Davis is playing as good as I've ever seen him. He's like a coach on the football field. And, you know, between the big fuckers they got a defensive line and the two safeties they got, uh, Marsha and Lattimore, you know, again, it's talent. It's coach. It's toughness. They got everything you want to be a really good defense in football. They got Brady to throw two picks. So let's uh, let's yeah. get to those late second quarter, two minutes left. Go ahead. Bucks down 10-7. It's first and 10. Yep. So let's get to it here. Go ahead, Kristen. Whenever you're ready, we'll get to the next one. All right. So here you go. You got 
Oh, this is the sack fumble first. Here we go. But again, this is just quick. I just want to show this because, first off, it shows a little bit of the, again, the domination of the Saints D-line. Look, three-man rush. Mm. Both edge guys are collapsing the pocket and getting close to Brady. He's jumpy. He's like, oh, crap. And then, so now they got eight guys in coverage. And, you know, the one thing they did all game long was, yeah, got pressure, but if you have three receivers to one side, they had four defenders. If you had two receivers this place, they had three defenders. They never got outnumbered on the fast break, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. And, again, you could see here, you know, there's really good knowledge, obviously, of where, like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are trying to, trying to attack. I mean, the corner, That stands out. It really does, yeah. right? I mean, the, the corner up top, Lattimore, is playing outside leverage. And the receiver's trying to run outside. So it's like they knew, hey, when they put him out there, he must do that a lot. Plus he knows, I got all these guys inside, so I don't need to overplay anything inside. They always had people for the underneath option routes for the most part. They weren't going to like die the slow death of like, you're going to throw to Giovanni Bernard and you know Chris Godwin six yards at a time. And I know Godwin went off and had some big plays, but it wasn't because of that type of stuff. And you can see here, I mean, there's really nothing downfield. Look at this. I mean, again, there's nothing. It's you, not only that, that they dropped eight, and that's a numbers one, problem. Two, it's that the three, eight kind of knew where to five, go. Five, six, seven, eight. Exactly they, right. They were strategically They're placed. all over. Look at yeah. Malcolm Jenkins on the left side over here. He's going to get outside. Like, he's, again, expecting, like, wait, I don't need to be inside. I don't need to be there. He's going to run an outbreaking route in this formation. We've been coached up. And you can see at the top of the screen, Lattimore's there ready to throw it if they throw it to Johnson over there. This ends up being the great play by Cam Jordan getting the strip sack fumble yeah. and a big play in the game nonetheless, but this D is real. So that, that was just a warm-up for the interception. Yeah, let's I go to the interception. It's all right. Bit. Yeah, it's all good. Don't that, worry. That was, that was a minor turnover. Yep. Okay, so now we're late second, 10-7. I mean, it's, it's, the same, it's the same principles here. You know, this one is a little different. And, again, you're playing Brady. you got to be able to mix up what you're going to do, the looks, the pressures, everything. Another five-man pressure, right? Because they must have felt like, again, maybe our front four isn't going to always get there. we got to give them a little advantage every now and then and make Brady uncomfortable. But, like, it's tight coverage at the top of the screen. It's, this is just like mano y mano, let's beat the guy. You're going to see here there's three receivers to the right. And let me see if I get this right. I think that's Godwin on the inside. But there's a safety there to help him. So they're kind of comfortable, like, letting him run that way he's running into coverage all right oh I had this wrong sorry I had this wrong I'm, I'm mixed up on my routes let me just get that right the guy Chauncey Gardner is guarding is going to be running the post down the middle Godwin's going to make it look like post Tyler Johnson and is then going to run the out route but the point I want to make once again here is just the feel they must have had for the route combinations because, yeah, there's some bumping up top, definitely, between Charge, Char, uh, Gardner-Johnson and I, I think that's uh, the other Tyler Johnson. Yeah, there's some of that going on. But he knows, like I said, he has the safety back here. And it gets to a certain point, and he just, they must know, like, hey, he's going to run vertical. Somebody's going to run the out route. And he comes off his guy 10 yards downfield. And Brady's probably thinking, wait, that guy's going to clear out and run with him. 
But the Saints got a lot of good, smart defenders. Yeah. And they, again, this just goes back to the point where, like, they kind of, it seemed to me that they knew what to expect What's in some certain way? situations. Right. I didn't do the best job of coaching that up. My fault. That's why sometimes I need to watch these plays back before we start the show. But you have a chance to finish strong. I do. Here. I can you finish do strong. have a chance. I do an interception like Brady right there. There but you go. Get back to it. Late, late in the game, fourth quarter, 29 27. We've all seen this play in the highlights. A million times. Brady's last pick. Yep. Why don't you give yep, us a little ahead. detail here on it? Sure. We'll get to it. And and to me, again, here's the the end of this play. Great. Good return. I think this this ends up in a touchdown for the Saints on this drive. So they go up 10 points going into, going into halftime. Um, but, okay, let's go to the next play, Kristen. Next play is the play of the game, right? The last interception. This is it, yep. Inside the final two minutes, two-point game. And this is just, like, not overly complicated. It's a little nuance that I thought was very cool. Um, you guys back there? Are we going to go to that next play? Okay. Time out on the field. Time out on the field. Yeah, 30-second of the 30-second variety. And uh, it's, I, I find it interesting, too, that bookended the Saints' defense. You know, all these good numbers throughout the season, but they gave Aaron Rodgers his worst game of the season. Right. Game one. Yep. Arguably gave Tom Brady his worst game in the last game. Yeah. No so doubt. it's not like even though they have played Geno Smith, they've played Taylor Heineke and probably got well against them, they've also done it against the best quarterbacks in the league. No doubt. They, got, they have everything you need to be top-tier, top defense in football. You know, like we've talked about. And I don't care who you are. I mean, it's, you know, you want to play smash mouth football, they can stop that. You want to get run and gun, throw the ball out, they can stop that. They got everything, let alone like the coach coaching like we talked about. All right. So, this is like basic, nothing crazy on the defensive side of the ball. They're kind of playing conservative right here. All right. And... You get, like, just here, just for everybody listening, it's a four-down front, basically, by the New Orleans Saints. You got Cam Jordan way out on the right. You got, I don't know who that is. I don't think, is that, is that DeMario Davis? 96. It's 96, right? I think that's could Granderson. Be, could be 56 because the number's covered I know, covered I can't up. quite tell. I can't quite tell. Uh, you got a nose tackle right over the center. You got Davenport way out to the right. We're looking at this play from the pit angle, the backside of the defense, so we can see the protection. But here, here, here's the point, and, and more importantly than anything, this is straight two-man. Two-man, two safeties deep, five, five people underneath man-to-man, all right, on the five eligibles. You see Lattimore's man-to-man on Evans there. Quan Alexander's up over the tackle only to, like, blitz the back. But he's really got if, – if Fournette just ran out, he's going to go with him and cover him. He's there to just, hey, I'm blitzing. Are you going to pick me up so now I can just eat you up that way so I don't have to cover you in space because I'm not going to be as good at that. Lattimore on tight end, Brait. There's two other receivers out here, all right? Here is, like, Brady, Brady doesn't mess this up often. But this is where I want to get to, and this is exactly the spot. Too deep. Here's P.J. Williams playing safety. Two deep, guys go like this usually, right? You see cover two, right? That's how they do it. They kind of shoulders to the sidelines. Let me go back into an angle towards the sideline, right? This is, again, where I think the Saints are a little next level. They give you some bastard reads is what I would call it. And, like, Brady gets the ball here. 
I, I don't know, Paul. I mean, again, this is me. Who do you think he's looking at right there? He's looking at the far half here. I think he's looking over here at this yes. safety, right? Yeah. Yes. I think so. Marcus Williams, who's to his right. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, again, any smart quarterback, when you say set hut, you look at the safeties first because they're going to tell you a lot about what's coming, what's happening, who gets unlocked on blitzes. And I think he sees this right here and goes, well, Marcus Williams has the body presence looking like he's in a roll to the middle of the field, right? He's turned that way and He's running. turned that way. I've learned this, and I learned this in New England. When, when we used to play the New England Jets, in the New England Jets, New York Jets, and Rex Ryan was in his prime with them, this is kind of the stuff they used to do, mm. where you'd go, wait, it's cover one single safety, but that guy's taking an angle like it's cover two, but it was still cover one, but the way he turned his shoulders was just unor- it was not ordinary. Or the same thing like this. It's cover two, but he kind of made a move to the middle of the field like it was going to be a single safety, but he kind of stays in his spot for cover two, but gives you the body language like it's cover one. I think what happens here is Brady sees that, and he's automatically, of course, Brady is next level, automatically thinking the backside safety must be coming down Mm. into some sort of coverage, all right, to play some sort of single safety defense because he's seeing Marcus Williams. He thinks he's going deep third. He thinks he's going deep third, deep middle, all right, because this is the only way I can justify Brady making this this interception or this play. And now – you're going to see Chris Godwin. They got Evans on a shallow cross coming from Brady's left. Godwin is on his right and going to run the deep cross. If it's a single safety defense where he goes this way and P.J. Williams comes down, Godwin should be wide open. And I think that's where I just thought this was a cool play because I think it's the nuance of the safety Marcus Williams, who's a really good player, and there's a reason they franchise tagged him, that that's where Brady thinks that, and I don't think Brady realizes the safety's still there, back playing cover two safety, until he's letting the ball out of his hand. It, yeah, I mean, at the time of release, clearly didn't think he was there. And I don't think he ever looks over there. may very well be because he assumed he wouldn't be there because of what the other safety uh, that, was doing. That, that's, that would it's, be my take. It's believable, I yeah. mean, you know, again, I'd love to ask Tom Brady and have him on, but yes, that to me, again, if you're going to trick guys like Brady and Rodgers, it's little things like that, yep. again, that are going to do it. You know, yeah, they're going to know coverages all the time and be over awesome stuff, but you give them a bastard look like that, really, again, if anybody's watching this on YouTube, I, he gets the ball. To me, it looks like he looks exactly at Marcus Williams. He is looking right at him. Williams is giving the body language of like, hey, I'm floating to the middle of the field. This is a single safety defense. I think Brady's just thinking, okay, Chris Godwin's going to be open on a crosser. He won on the inside release right here. This is slam dunk. I'm going to hit him for a 30-yard gain. This is awesome. I don't think he ever locates the back safety until he's probably about mid-throw where the ball's coming out of his hand, and then, boom, interception pick six. Yeah. I said about five or six minutes ago, I mean, it's a highlight we've seen. We've all seen a thousand times. It's the first time I've heard I've heard that and seen that. So well, I, I just think again, like that, that makes sense. I, I mean, it, to me, it does. Because I'm not I mean, saying some, I'm always right. Well, I mean, something happened there because Tom Brady doesn't throw it right to somebody who's standing there waiting. There, there's no way. Like, when I watched it on TV, I was like, "What?" Else. I was like, "That was cover two, all the two man, all the way." How did Brady think that was going to be open? You know, and of course on TV, and we're watching other games, and actually we're doing the show at that time. Yeah, I, I didn't see it, but then when I turned on the film, I was like, "Wait, what's so why? Why did he throw it right 
And then I just started to look, and that's to me what jumped out yeah. more than anything, and that's just really good coaching. So is that something? I mean, that's a lot of somethings there, but what the Saints did, and they were clearly really well coached and executed yeah. it very well. Right. Something other teams can replicate uh, against Brady. Not really. I don't think to that extent. I don't. I think it's, a, it's few and far between as far as the teams that can do that type of stuff. It's New England's. It's now I think the Tennessee Titans are in that category. The Buffalo Bills, who we talk about all the time, have that magic of like, look at all the guys dropping right here. I don't know what coverage this is, but they're all dropping in the right area. You know, the Arizona Cardinals have a little bit of that. Uh, so there's some teams out there that certainly, you know, can replicate it. The Rams do it too, to where, yeah, they're going to have to deal with these issues and fight these issues a little bit when they get to primetime playoff time because these are the things, they're too talented, the Bucks. They're too good. You're going to have to do some of the little things the right way. Take a chance here and there, a calculated smart chance. Mm-hmm. You know, like we saw like on the, um, the incompletion where he threw to the tight end at his feet there. Right. You know, yeah, there's some spots open there, but they played the chances of like, wait, we're going to blitz this, but we think we know where they're going and our safeties are deep, so we'll take a chance. Yeah, there's some big holes here, but, but it's a calculated risk. I think one that's thought out, and that's where they're good. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A couple of notes on the Saints offense here, Chris. Number one, just came out, Michael Thomas will not play this season, so keep that in mind moving Uh forward. Uh, Taysom Hill expected to be back from concussion. So if Taysom is back and available, looks like he will be, you have Simeon just came off a very good game against the Buccaneers. Right. How would you handle the quarterback situation? Yeah, I mean, Trevor Simeon did do a really good job. There's no doubt about that. I would play Taysom Hill, though. I would. You know, again, it's you, a little bit. You'd start him? I'd start Taysom Hill. Again, they went 4-1 and one with him last year. Yeah. He's gotten better. He had a pretty good preseason. You know, my thing all, all year, I think you remember me from the preseason, I was always going, you know, Taysom Hill, there's not a lot of weapons. I thought they would go with Taysom Hill. I thought Because yeah. uh, I thought maybe he could bring some of the offense that they don't have. You know, and everybody's defense was, well, then you miss out on all the other things he does. Well, he doesn't do all that other things that much, so fuck all that shit. Like, oh my gosh, he's, he's lined up at fullback and then went to tight end. How are we going to defend this? Oh my gosh, he's that <laughs> slot receiver. We're, we're screwed, guys. We thought he was going to be the Wildcat quarterback, and now he's slot receiver. We're screwed. No. Put him at quarterback. Let him play. That would be my thought. He can add to an offense that's having some struggles making plays. Well, they're and having some real some real issues passing the ball. Yeah, I, I think only to the me, Bears. I, th- I think they're they're second to last. I believe it's towards the bottom. Offense. I know that for sure. On the other hand, I mean, yeah. considering kind of what they are, and every yeah. team has an identity I know, now. I know. I mean, Trevor Simeon just played pretty well. Yeah. They have found a way to win without a lot from the passing game anyway. Yeah, I know. I mean, Simeon, to me, garnered a lot of trust. Sure. With the I, way he played no doubt week. about that. No doubt about that. I think he is definitely in the trust tree. Yeah. You can see he understands the offense. He controls the football. There's a reason he was a starter in Denver there for a little while. Yeah. He yeah. has got a little talent, too. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just go. I don't know if they can continue to play like that week after week after week, and just think the defense is going to totally dominate. And 
We'll just be totally conservative on offense's side yeah. of the ball. You know, again, this is a Tampa defense that's not at full strength. Has some, uh, you know, injuries uh, at, at the corner and secondary positions. Um, so, uh, no, I, I again, I, I say Taysom Hill. Um, I won't be mad if they go Trevor Simeon, but I right. think Taysom Hill brings something to the table that you know this offense could use right now. We shall see. Yep, we shall see. This has become a, a sneaky favorite part of the show here, Chris. Yeah. I like watching you do the Under Armour. Oh, yeah, baby. Listening. Here we go. I've got it here. Do you have it as well? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. All yep. Right. Under Armour, baby. Thanks for your sponsorship. We are supported by Under Armour, and just like us, Under Armour wants to give you an edge. Yeah, I'm giving you an edge. Paulie's giving you an edge so you can sound smart talking to your friends about football. They are focused on performing better and taking their game to the next level. I am most of the time, except on that one play today where I wasn't ready and I needed to go through the details again. Everything from running shoes that propel you forward to hoop shoes that give you insane grip. They even make hoodies that reflect energy. We're not just about the end result, winning or glory. Under Armour is about the hard work, the dedication, the cycle of training, competing, and recovering. That's right. I watch film. I compete. I then get done with the show and recover and go, oh my gosh, I'm fried. My brain's fried. But... What Under Armour does is they give you advantages, not shortcuts. The only way is, is through. through. Self-deprecating, yeah, A. Okay. Thank you. Timely, working in some things that happened before. Right. Also an A. Right. Uh, good honesty. Thank you. Good authenticity, oh, good man. energy. That pissed me off that I messed that play oh, up. No, no. Come on, man. <laughs> I not perfect. I want to be perfect. I get these reads in the uh, Notre Dame radio that are like six paragraphs yeah. and the play's coming up, and right. I feel like I have to go really fast. Right. So it's not as easy as it seems. Yeah. So well done. Thank you. Thank we do you. have time for one more game. Okay, cool. Okay, one more. Cool. Let's go to the AFC North. Browns right. offense against the Pittsburgh defense. Wasn't very long ago we're talking about the Browns offense scoring in the 40s yeah. against the Chargers. Right. I think they've been 10 points and 14 points since then. They stunk against the Steelers. What would you say is their biggest problem? While you think about that, just want to update the OBJ situation. Mm. Was excused from practice Whoa. today. Whoa. So not productive. Uh, his family you know, not really contributing to the positive environment through right. social well, media. Well, they showed some of the plays we showed. They've been watching the show right. is what I thought. Right, right. Yeah, so um, you can go with the OBJ routes or what is really ailing this offense here to start. Sure. Well, OBJ, I mean, let's just hit that real quick. I mean, first off, the one thing I want to say to OBJ is, like, why didn't we do this a week ago? Yeah. And then you probably could have forced yourself out of town here and been traded. Right. I, I, I think. They maybe. needed his one catch for six yards over oh, the weekend. Oh, I know. It was crucial. Yeah. I mean, listen, again, I don't know what else to say. He's – Hey, he might not be the superstar he was three, four years ago with the New York Giants, I understand, but he's still damn good and still can get open and is still about as fast as any receiver I see in football. You know, and yeah, I know he's had some drops too. I get that. But it's like I've said to Mike Florio today too. You know, if Steph Curry doesn't get a shot until the third quarter, I, I don't know if it's going to definitely go in. I mean, he needs to get a little rhythm. I don't even Steph Curry does. And they never get him in any type of rhythm. So, you know, the thing I look at is they've played some good defenses, they have. There's no doubt about that. You know, I mean, the Bears, when we seen them, they gave them a tough issue. I know they won the game 26-6. to You know, Zimmer knew their stuff. Okay, I'm getting to a point here. Arizona has got talent, all right, and overplayed the run game to a degree. All right? And then the Steelers, of course, we know is a, almost a, it's a Super Bowl caliber defense. But come on, man. I mean, come on. Well, come on. The complete lack of numbers. It's insane. It's, it's stupid. It's, crazy. it's, it's stupid. crazy. Everything you said is true. Those I defenses know. are good. Right. But this is such Because a the pattern. point is, when they can't run the ball, they're not a good offense. Yeah. They're not. Right. They're, they're, to me, what I would say to everybody else, like the Minnesota Vikings. And this is why I was not the hugest 
fan of the Stefanski hire. Mm. You know, I still get crap from people in like Cleveland, mm. and I want to type back, be like, "You're four and four with like one of the five best teams in football. Like maybe Chris is starting to look right. So chill out." asshole cleveland fans all right <laughs> that's what i want to say first yeah. right that's just to the asshole ones there's plenty of good ones P- plenty of good ones but out there, yeah but the, the to me what you've seen is when run game doesn't work pass game not good enough to stand on its own at, at really any point do you put that on because it's, it's one of three things yeah it's the scheme mm-hmm. it's baker regressing right or it's the the weapons around him are, are not getting open yeah i mean to me to me it's the scheme and baker okay. i have and i said this to florio a little today because he was asking me a little bit about this subject as well and i just said you know i like their run scheme one thing i didn't love about this game is you know, I like their run scheme when they move a lot of people around and make you think a little bit and then run between the tackles. They seemed a little bland to me in the running attack. Like, here, we're just going to line up, and this is where we're running. Man, that's tough to do against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Consistently, I mean, yeah. yes. You know, off a of bye week, fresh, ready to go. Um, so, you know, from, from that standpoint. But then, yes, when the run game doesn't work – their passing concepts are extremely simple and base le- like and basic. Dating back to last year when they were running the ball well and getting those tight formations and Baker's under center, it looked, it looked terrific. It looks great when yeah. all that's wrong. It's just like, again, I'll go back to Minnesota just like that. That's why some weeks you go, whoa, Kirk Cousins was amazing, and look at them. And I go, well, usually it's because Dalvin Cook gashed you, Dalvin right. Cook gashed you, and then they hit an open play action pass or a boot, and they just got you on a string because you're like, damn, we can't stop the run. we got to stop that, and we're committing so hard to that that now – Thielen and Jefferson are open. Well, that's what happens to Cleveland. But when that doesn't happen, they, they're not good enough to just get in the shotgun or make the plays. I mean, even you know, even the Denver Thursday night game the week before, I mean, to, to run the ball the way they did and do that and only win that game by three points, I thought that was one of the disappointments of the year. I mean, that really was. Bottom line with this game is Pittsburgh – Played really well on defense. Period. What they do? They, I mean, I can't sit here and like say it was anything like specific. It was just a good old ass whooping up mm. front. I mean, Cam Hayward and company—they kicked butt. And that's against a pretty good offensive per- line. I mean, Real I look good. at it as one of the best in the yeah. business. But but there was no fear of you know. Again, this is where it goes back to well, we're going to put some eggs into the run game basket uh, basket because. Well, we don't. We kind of got a feel for your pass game. We know what's coming. We're not really that scared of it. And Pittsburgh, I think, is better at covering people than they get credit for. You know, I've always been shaky on them as the coverage wise, but mm. they can man you up better than than I maybe have given them the respect for us coming into the season. So I think that's the big thing. And yeah, between you know Hayward, Highsmith, um, of course Watt. Uh, I'm missing one of the other interior D line. Oh, Chris Wormley played really well. You know, again, they didn't even have a Lou Lou or or um, Stefan Tuitt, but Devin Bush is getting back, looking healthy at, at the safety. I mean, at the middle linebacker position. So, you know, again, this is a really good defense who has some feel for the team they're playing because they're in the division. That's yeah. like a theme today, a little bit. Right. And then I think added on to that. The offense didn't fuck it up. I wanted to get to the offense yeah. because, I mean, the, the defense is leading the way. Mm-hmm. They've won three games in a row. But right. the offense is playing its part. Right. They're doing okay. They're right. playing well enough to win with their formula. Yes. What do you like there? Well, I, I just like that they're playing to what their team is right now. And, again, I don't expect their offense to really ever catch fire here this year. Yeah. They're never. I, to me, I'd be shocked if we ever went through a stretch where we're like, well, they scored 28, they scored 31. I don't think that's happening. 
To me, like I've said early in the year, if they just play defense, run the clock, run the ball, Big Ben, don't fuck it up, Yeah, they will be and win a lot of games. And they're going to look like this, where you're going to go, this is ugly. ugly? But yeah. they did it. But it wins. That's what they are right now. And that's where, to me, Big Ben was good. Again, just come up with a lot of different ways to run the ball. They had a few reverses in the game plan. They stayed patient with Najee Harris. And then when he got a one-on-one matchup or something that jumped out to him, he made the appropriate throw. But he didn't try to be in the pocket and be Big Ben from seven years ago and pump the fake and be unrealistic with his abilities right now. And if they can play that way, just like we've seen them go through this stretch here, they're going to be tough to beat because their defense is Super Bowl-ish, like I've said. We love it when it, when teams self-scout themselves. All yeah. right? but let's, let's take a look here, Pete and Kristen, at the Steelers' offensive approach. First four games versus the last three. And again, they're, they're on a three-game win streak. They're passing the game significantly less, or they're passing the ball a lot less. From right. 42 attempts per game down to 33. Right. Rushing attempts exactly twice as much. Uh, and to me, it's that's the key. Uh, they're going back to... Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph Duck from a Hodges, few years ago. Go. Remember how they played that year? Yeah. You know, to me, I want to just be like, just keep inventing more run plays. Yeah. Put Najee Harris in Wildcat. You know, more Chase Claypool reverses and Deontay Johnson reverses. And then, you know, when you have the looks and you feel like Big Ben's in a good spot, like, okay, he can make a one on one throw or do something of that nature. That to me is what they're all about right now. And I think if they do that, you know, Hey, they got the Bears, the Lions, and the Chargers coming up. It's a good run. That's a good run. Yeah. They can beat all three of those teams with the style of play we're talking. And all of a sudden, we're going to be sitting here going, they're seven and three. Yeah. To me, it just comes down to that. Patience of the run, Big Ben, when in doubt, go down, throw it away. Yeah. And they can be in the playoffs and be a pain in the butt once they get there. Not a single team in the AFC North with a losing record right no, now. No, I know. It's an unbelievable be division. November and December playing out. I'm rooting for all four to make the playoffs. Right? I would love it. Why I want to see somebody do it. I do. So that would be is cool. Is it possible? I, it is possible, this is new it, current format. Has that ever happened? Never four. We've had three. Never, we've had three. But never four. Oh, four. AFC North and NFC West. But, yeah, it was never possible until they added this yeah. extra playoff team. So, um, Did you remember watching the old AFC Central when it was Houston was in there? Oh yeah, you must yeah. Have been little that well, I was I was definitely aware. I mean, yeah. you know, towards the end of my dad's career, they were playing. You know, the, that's still the same old AFC Central. Dan Pastorini and right. Brian Sipe. Yep, yeah, no Ken doubt. Anderson. No doubt. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, listen, we're coming to an end. We cut out our New England Patriots part of the conversation. I just want to say was this: it me? Was it me? No, it's me. I took too long. <laughs> it's really my dad. He took too long. Blame Philly's not here. I want to. I want to just say this one thing. Yeah. New England is a team to watch out for. Their running game, as people have heard me, is getting better and better. Yeah. Like Dad just said, it's like the 1990 Giants. It's like, we're going to run right here. We're going to pull a guard, and a fullback's going to come, and we're going to smash your face in. And Jones is – they're finding a way to make a few good explosive completions every week, but their defense has gone to another level, really, ever since that Bucks game, let's say. Mm. I mean, their defense is top-notch, and it is the best zone defense in football. Good thing to be. They right used now. to be the man, the best man defense in football. Yeah, they've changed their identity, like New England always does, because they're ahead of the curve. But they're phenomenal. Like we talked about with the Titans and how they pass people off, and the Saints. No, nobody's better than the Patriots. So that's what they got going for them. They're going to be tough to deal with here because it looks like they're starting to get it going a little yeah. bit and they're rolling um and i just wanted to say that on on the way out the door and bill has always said the season doesn't really begin until after thanksgiving anyway yes it's so belichick like they lose three out of four to start 
Now they've won here three out they of four, go. and here they come. Watch right, out. and they're managed games like Dad talked about. I do think people are catching up to the Chargers offense. Just, just real quick. Looks like it. Right? We, one thing I said to Pete, I, I do think they're missing a speed guy. Like, you know, Baltimore wasn't scared to play them some man-to-man. The Patriots only played it as like a curveball. Like, hey, we're going to play man. It's been zone, 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 zone. Now it's man-to-man. Okay? Um, but, but the other thing is I do think people have caught on to the offense too. And that's one thing that jumped out to me a little bit the last few weeks with the Chargers. People are catching up to Joe Lombardi. It's the West Coast offense. Nobody knows the West Coast offense better than Bill Belichick other than maybe Sean Payton and like John Gruden who's not in the league anymore. Right. He's all over that stuff. So that's it. That's the podcast. I've talked myself exhausted. I was going to say, when you get home, I, I, hope, I hope your family doesn't ask you too many questions. My wife sometimes like is offended. dinner-ish. She's offended sometimes. She's like, why are you of... talking? And I'm like, because I've talked for four hours straight today. Like, I'm out. I, I need a rest. I'm, a, I'm a gassed break. out. Right. Yeah. So there's a show. You the man. That's a show. Peace Good out. to see you, man. Check out Good me stuff. and Pauly on the Peacock postgame show Sunday this week. Night. Yeah, yes. me and Pauly doing highlights. We're going to kick some butt. That'll there. be fun. Looking forward to it. He's subbing in. He's Trevor Simeon to Jameis Winston. Catherine Tappan's going to be out on the road doing some work. Um, so Are you saying you we have the second worst passing offense in the league? On <laughs> You're Sunday right. Night? I could have came up with something better. That was <laughs> that works. That was that. Trevor, <laughs> we'll just make it happen. I'll play that role like the Saints. We'll make it happen. We'll manage the game. We'll it'll do it the right way. It'll, be a, It'll be a win. That's right. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed Chris Sims on Button. It is the Wednesday What the Happened podcast. Okay. Thank you to Honored Armor. Please subscribe, rate, review. Check out me and Florio tomorrow on the PFT. PFTPM Chris Sims on Button Picks collaboration. Everybody be safe. Keep sending the questions. You know I love it. Peace out. You the man, Polly. You made it. You made it through. Made it. Woo-hoo. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.